Christmas he thought doesn't come from a storm. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. So it was early December, my fifth grade year. And I was kind of known during the Christmas time to work for a long time on my Christmas wish list. I didn't want to miss anything that, that I might be able to, to want for Christmas. But this year, there was no late submission of my Christmas wish list because I knew exactly what I was hoping for. I wanted every parent's worst nightmare. I was hoping for a drum set. <laughs> a drum set. And I had a lot of hope writing on getting this drum set on Christmas morning. Middle school was looming right around the corner, and with it, my mandatory parentally enforced enrollment in band. But if I could just get a drum set, then I could join a very cool sixth grade band and be able to climb the awkward social ladder of middle school. In my idealistic fifth grade mind, I had this ultimate hope of, of course, replacing Lars as the drummer of Metallica. <laughs> it all seemed to just make so much sense at the time. And so I spent my whole December hoping and praying for this, this, this drum set, for it to be next to the Christmas tree when I woke up on Christmas morning. And so Christmas morning rolled around. I did what every good kid does, and I woke my parents up at a cruelly early hour. They were stumbled down the stairs half asleep, and my brothers and I waited at the top of the stairs for their signal, barely able to contain our excitement, our anticipation. I cheated one step at a time. We got the signal. I ran down the stairs, sprinted through the family room, and there next to the tree was no drum set. My hopes were crushed. Hope. Hope is a word that gets thrown around a lot this time of year, this Christmas season, isn't it? Hope. I hope for a bicycle. I hope for a puppy. I hope my family can make it for Christmas morning. Maybe some of you are hoping they can't. I hope for a drum set. I hope next year life's going to be a whole lot better than the last I hope. But for all the mentions of hope during this time of the year, we rarely examine what hope really means. Right now we're in this just wonderful Advent sermon series named Unwrap, the real gifts of the season. And one of those gifts is hope. But hope is this gift that we, we usually think very superficially about. It's a gift that a lot of times this time of year, we leave it unwrapped, mistaking the wrapping for the gift itself. And so this morning, what I want to do is take some time to unwrap this gift of hope, this real gift of hope. And I want to do that by asking four simple questions about hope. And as we ask these four questions, we're going to look at how that superficial hope that we often think about is different than biblical hope. So our very first question about hope is, how do we define hope? How do you define hope? The superficial definition of hope is the one we often think of, a hope that is a wish, a desire that we have for the future, something that we'd like to see happen, but 
It might not be tied to reality, and it isn't certain that it will occur. A feeling of optimism. This hope often wavers with our emotions and constantly changing expectations and perceptions of the future. One of my favorite Christmas movies is The Christmas Story. Who has seen The Christmas Story? Right? Who has seen The Christmas Story more times than you'd be willing to admit? All right, so you already know that The Christmas Story is a movie about nine-year-old Ralphie Parker. And Ralphie, the whole movie is about a single hope that Ralphie has. He is hoping for a Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle for Christmas. And as you watch Ralphie through the span of the movie, what you see is his hope wavering, changing. His hope wavers one moment as he sees the rifle right in the the window of the toy store, and then it wavers the other way as he sits in class and his teacher says, you're going to shoot your eye out. Because superficial hope is nothing more than a wavering wish. Nothing more than a wavering wish. But real hope. The biblical gift of hope could not be more different. Let's look at a few verses of how Scripture defines real hope. Hebrews 6.19 tells us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Romans 8.25 tells us if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 1 Peter 1.21 says, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. Hebrews 11.1 tells us faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So here's the biblical definition of hope. Biblical definition of hope. Hope is a confident, patient trust in God's faithfulness. Hope is a confident, patient trust in God's faithfulness. Hope is confident, meaning we expect that God will follow through. He will fulfill his promises. Hope is patient. Hope actually requires waiting, doesn't it? And biblical hope acknowledges that our hopes are fulfilled on God's timeline, not ours. Hope is trusting, meaning we have faith that in God our future is secure. Secure. And that It is an anchor in our lives. That that future hope is an anchor that allows us to live right now in the present. Unlike superficial hope, biblical hope does not waver because it doesn't rely on our emotions. It does not rely on our changing perceptions of the future, like Ralphie's hope for the rifle or my hope for my drum set. So we can have hope even when others are hopeless, even with others would look at our lives and go, it doesn't make sense that you have hope. We can have hope. My favorite biblical example of of hope, real hope, is Abraham. God comes to Abraham in his old age and makes him a promise that, Abraham, you and your wife Sarah are gonna have a son. And from that son, a nation. And anyone looking in from the outside would say, "Uh, that makes no sense. Those guys are in their 90s. But Abraham had hope. He had hope. He had a patient, firm hope. He trusted God. So Romans 4.18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope, 
believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. He trusted that promise, even when it didn't look like it made much sense from the outside. That's the biblical definition of hope, a confident, patient trust in God's faithfulness. So now that we've defined hope, here's the second question for us. Second question, where is your hope? Where have you placed your ultimate hope? If someone looked at your life, where would it look like you're putting the greatest hope in your life? Around this time of year, there's a really big pull to get us to put our hope in materialism. Tuesday night, our family was home watching uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, also a favorite Christmas movie of mine. And we're watching it, and this commercial comes on TV, and it's a commercial for a Lexus SUV, and maybe you've seen it. It starts with a mom and a dad. They're sitting by the Christmas tree, and they're actually forging a fake letter to Santa in their son's handwriting. And they're asking for a Lexus RX Sport. And their son comes in and catches them, and he says, ah, it's okay as long as you, you add a puppy to the letter. And so Christmas morning comes, and the mom and dad run out the front door, and of course, ah, oh, you know, they just happen to, to find a brand new Lexus out in their driveway. And the commercial ends with this shot, if you can see it on the screen. The commercial ends with this shot, and it reveals exactly what they're trying to sell. Through the whole span of the commercial, there is not a single fact about the car. Not horsepower, longevity, not a single fact about the car because they're not selling the facts about the car. They're trying to sell you hope. That if you can just obtain this one possession, then you can have hope to have the good life. If you can just obtain this one, one possession, your hopes will come true. The spouse, the kids, the strategically placed multi-million dollar home in the background, the luxury car, and yes, even the puppy. They're selling the hope of materialism. But it's not just hope in materialism that tries to hijack our hope in God, is it? There's a lot of things that try to. Our future accomplishments, the hope of a relationship, the hope that a certain politician will give us a perfect future, the hope that exercise and diet will let us live forever. When we superficially think of hope in our life, this is what we do. We actually put hope in places where we already know it does not belong. We know a car is not going to fulfill our hopes. We know accomplishments won't either. We're always going to want one more accomplishment. We know there's no relationship, no one person in this world that can carry the weight of our entire hope on their back. Politicians let us down, and we know that even if we exercise every single day and eat a whole lot of kale and fish, we are going to die. And on another level, we can superficially place our hope of eternal life in being a good person. In that very silly game of betting our eternity on a, on a guess that at least I'm not as bad as my neighbor. We can contemplate hope so superficially that we put it in places we know that it does not belong. And no matter how intense that hope is, if it's in the wrong place, it is hopeless. Imagine this with me for a moment. You're standing on the edge of a cliff. I know this is some of your worst nightmare. I apologize. It's getting worse from here. At least I'm warning you. You're standing on the edge of a cliff when you slip and you 
are beginning to fall. It's hundreds of feet between you and the ground, and your life flashes before you as you, you assume life is over. But then as you fall, you see one branch below you. And the last desperate attempt to save your life, you reach out to grab that branch. In that moment, what's more important? The intensity of your hope or the strength of the branch? What's more important? Because our lives, our eternities are on the line. And we know that superficial hopes are simply not a strong enough branch to carry the weight of our lives. We know accomplishments, possessions, relationships, they don't work to fulfill our ultimate hopes. One of Job's friends in Job 8.13 says, such is the destiny of all who forget God, so perishes the hope of the godless. Placing our hope anywhere but God leaves us hopeless. It's the branch we already know will break. So where does the Bible tell us to put our hope? 1 Timothy 4.10 says, we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior. Where is our hope? The ultimate hope of our lives is in Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, God himself, is the only branch that is strong enough to carry the weight of all of our hopes and dreams of our lives. So hope isn't in a situation, but it's in a person. It's in Jesus The story of that first Christmas two millennia ago that we are celebrating all this season, that story was a story of hope coming. Hope coming, invading the earth in the person of Jesus. So the foundation of our hope, listen, foundation of our hope, it is not in what we will do, but in what Christ has already done for us on the cross and in the empty tomb. It is truly a gift, and a gift is not earned, it is given. And it's a gift that we can unwrap freely with faith in Christ. So, where's your ultimate hope? Our ultimate hope of our lives is in Jesus. But naturally, that gives us a third question, right? How does Jesus give us hope? What does this look like? How does Jesus give us hope? When we think superficially about hope in God, something like this happens. I was driving my truck this week, and I was listening to the comedy station, and there's a comedian on there talking about what he thought was the idea of a Christian heaven. And so he begins to describe this heaven as sitting on clouds, playing a harp, I've never played a harp, but playing a harp, sitting alongside little baby angels. And he said that that sounded so boring that he might be more interested in the alternative. And when we think superficially about how Jesus gives us hope, we might get to kind of the same spot where we see hope as this thin, vague idea that's reserved only for a very distant, far-out eternity. But, The biblical answer to how Jesus gives us hope is this. Jesus gives us real hope for both the present and eternity. So yes, hope in Jesus does include our hope of eternity. I'm not sure if anyone's told you this, but at some point, we are each going to die. And if you believe that the grave may be the end, there is not a more hauntingly hopeless thought in this world. 
And without knowing Jesus, yes, your eternity will be destined to be separated from God. Ephesians 2.12 tells us, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God and the world. Without Jesus, without knowing him, we do not have an eternity. We have no hope for an eternity with God. But here's where the hope comes in, Titus 3, 7, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. When we have faith in Christ, we have a firm, secure hope in eternal life, that the grave is not the end. And that eternal life isn't a boring one. The biblical hope is that we'll be resurrected to live with God in his new creation here in a meaningful, exciting, painless eternity. And that eternity, it actually does not begin with us. The priority isn't my eternity. The hope for eternity is that the one who came as a helpless baby on that first Christmas nearly 2,000 years ago will come again as a king to reign forever. That's hope for eternity. Jesus gives us hope. For eternity. But Jesus also gives us hope for the present, right now in our lives. 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus gives us a living hope, meaning Jesus' hope is not just for a distant, vague, far-off eternity, but he is also for right now, in the present, right now in our lives. In the present, God's kingdom, his rule and reign, enacted by the love of his followers, breaks into the world to give hope to the hopeless. He gives hope of supernatural transformation to the broken. He gives hope to the grieving right now. And right now in the present, Jesus is the remedy to hopelessness. If you look at all the common causes of hopelessness, Jesus is the remedy to everyone. Are you hopeless because you're alone? Well, in Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, he tells us that God himself in the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell with us, that we will never be alone again. Are you hopeless because you feel like life is out of control? Well, in faith in Jesus, he calls us to hand over, to relinquish the control of our lives to him, and in doing so, to find life and joy and peace itself. Are you hopeless because you feel like there's no purpose, no meaning in your life? Well, in Christ, God says, I made you for the ultimate purpose, to love and glorify me. Are you hopeless because of guilt? In Jesus, your guilt is washed away. It is erased. Jesus is the remedy to every common cause of hopelessness. So how does Jesus give us hope? Jesus gives us real hope, real hope for both eternity and for the present. And then that brings us really to our fourth question about hope. How do we live our hope? What does it look like to live as a person who has hope in Jesus? Well, we guard how our hope is shaped and displayed. We guard how our hope 
is shaped and displayed. This begins with guarding how our hope is shaped. We guard how it's shaped. So, so we, we, we're aware of who gets to spell out those details, what forces, what people are able to really flesh out what hope looks like in our lives, who gets to spell out the future of our hope. When we think superficially about hope, we allow it to be shaped by our own desires and by others. When I was a kid, one Christmas season, I began to see these commercials on TV for a matchbox racing set named Criss Crash Crosh. I had never seen Criss Crash Crosh. I had never played with Criss Crash Crosh. But suddenly, I started putting it on my Christmas wish list, and suddenly I really was hoping that I would get it under the tree. Our hopes are more easily shaped by others than we know. Advertisers, politicians, neighbors, and friends, there are so many forces and people in the world that vie to be able to give shape to your hope. And also, our own desires are a threat to the shape of our hope. That first Christmas, that very first Christmas, most of Israel had been waiting, waiting and hoping for the Messiah for generations, and yet most missed him because they had allowed their own desires for a conquering king to defeat their enemies, to eclipse God's hope that he had given them for a sacrificial lamb to forgive their sin. Their own desires had reshaped biblical hope in their lives, and so they missed that first Christmas. Our desires are changing and shallow. They're changing and shallow. How many of us, when we were a kid, thought socks were the worst Christmas present possible? Right? And now a nice pair of smart wool socks on Christmas morning? It doesn't get better than that. Our hopes, our wishes, our desires, they're fleeting and unfulfilling. They change with time and emotions. We know we can't trust ourselves to shape our own hope. We must allow God and his word alone to shape our hope, to give detail to what our future hopes look like. Hope comes from God's word, not my wish. Hope comes from God's word, not my wish. And when we allow that to happen in our lives, our hope becomes about God's glory. Our hope becomes about the role that I could play in God's mission. Our hope becomes not about my blessing, but about God's redemption in the lives of others. So how do we live our hope in Jesus? We guard how it's shaped. We guard how it's shaped. And then we guard how our hope is displayed. Romans 5, 2 tells us we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Christians are supposed to be people who boast, who go around telling people anyone will hear about this hope that we have in Christ. Like a nativity scene is a display that shares the story of Jesus' birth. The life of a Christian is meant to be a display that shares the hope found in Jesus. But we have to guard that display. Because people will notice if our hope is in other things. Those people around you who don't know Jesus, they're looking at the display of your life. And if it becomes cluttered with other things like money, politics, possessions, they will notice. And it can begin to look so cluttered that they don't see Jesus through all the rest. 
We're meant to be people known for hope, a hope in Christ. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, this is the question here. If someone was looking at your hope, the display of your life, what would they say it's in? Just like that nativity scene is a display of Jesus' birth, what would they say your life displays? Is it hope found only in Christ, or has that display become cluttered? Our fourth question is, how do we live our hope in Jesus? And the answer is we guard how our hope is shaped and displayed. These are the four most basic questions that I think we have about hope. And my prayer for each one of us this morning is that in the coming weeks of this Advent season, that we would not be okay with just a superficial hope. That, that we would see that superficial hope as just the wrapping around the real hope, that gift of Christ. Because the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus embodies biblical hope. And so I want to leave us with this verse this morning, Romans 15, 13. I want to pray this over us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the hope that you give us this time of year and year round, Lord. We pray that for, for those of us who don't know Jesus in this room, that, that, that you would help us to see that hope in him. And for those of us who do, we pray that you would, would help us just to take that display of our life and make sure that we are putting your hope on display in everything we do and everything we say and in everything we are. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.